Welcome gamers to this week's episode of Last Call Gaming. We're on episode number 116. My name is Craig Prowlison. and joining me is the almost birthday boy, Major Montemayor. Hello. So what are you turning out, like 22? Oh god, I wish. I don't even want to talk about my age. Can we go on to the next topic? Fuck. Well, let me just wish you a happy birthday before I don't see you for 10 days probably. Uh, so guys, if you're watching the YouTube show, make sure you guys uh, like, comment, subscribe, and if you can, hit that share button so we can get it into as many hands and eyes as possible. If you guys want to check us out on social media, uh, check out our Linktree link that's in the description that'll take you to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all that good stuff. And if you guys are interested in listening to the audio-only version of the podcast, we do <coughs> offer that at Anchor, and from Anchor, you guys can check out uh, whether it be Spotify or or iTunes or something like that. And just a reminder, guys, Christmas is almost here. If you guys are still interested in getting Last Call Gaming merchandise, you guys can check out the link in the description at tpublic.com. And right now, they're doing a rush order that if you order anything, I believe today or tomorrow, they'll, they guarantee they'll get it to you before Christmas. So that's not bad. And I personally wouldn't endorse anything that I wouldn't use or wear myself. Oh, dude, I love this but sweater. But these are actually some of my favorite sweaters that I have. My girlfriend has one, too. It's They're crazy comfortable, and they're a lot more comfortable than some of the sweaters I paid like higher price for. Yeah, so good prices, and check it out, guys. You'd help support us. So before we get into the show, guys, we like to drink beers around here, and I actually got to pick this one out. This is... Uh, Surprised you didn't go with a Milwaukee's Best this week. Oh, dude, this is a lifesaver compared to last week's beer. So this is uh, Flyjack. I've never heard of it, but it's from the Firestone Walker Brewing Company, who are the guys that make the 805 beer, which our friend Denny loves. Solid beer. I saw Firestone. I figured I'd check these guys out. I like good 805. Yeah. The uh, score they give it on Beer Advocate, which is the site we use to rate the beers, is uh, they give it an 80, which is good. It's an IPA American, 4% alcohol. Um, done by Firestone Walker Brewing Company in California, United States. It's year-round, which is you know another reason why it's surprising that I've never heard of it. But the notes on it say, Everything you want from a hazy IPA with nothing to weigh you down. Citrus, hazy, crisp. This is Flyjack, Firestone Walker's new 96-calorie beer. Maximum flavor, minimal calories, no compromises. So maybe that's why. Maybe it has been around um, just pretty much very recently. But yeah, when I saw the 96, I'm like, Oh, maybe this is their competitor too. The Michelob Ultra and right. all the seltzers that are fucking going crazy right now. So drinking it, I mean, it's a solid beer. I mean, it's good. I could have six of these, you know, at a nice, comfortable birthday dinner, and uh, you know, I wouldn't think anything the wiser. Yeah, this would for sure be a dinner beer. But if I was going to be like drinking all night, like having fun, hanging out, doing whatever, I don't think I would choose it. For oh, something I think like I that. might though. Ninety six calories. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's lighter. It's like because normally like Firestone, if we're coming to like eight oh five, that's a heavy ass beer. I don't know how Benny cruises. Like a 12 pack, like I drink two at like dinner, or like we say dinner, but I mean like going out to a restaurant and it just they're heavy. This one, I mean, I mean, tastes better than a Michelob Ultra to me. And it's if it's you know only what a calorie higher, hey, I gotta watch this hourglass figure of mine. I think we're going to like 2 a.m. I prefer to do like Coors Light or like Michelob Ultra, something, something like lighter than this because after a while it kind of just tastes like water anyways i feel like this is just tastes like mud water <laughs> nice so if you guys are drinking at home uh drink along with us and if you guys ever want to recommend a beer for us to drink on the show just jump in the youtube comments down below and you can leave that right there and we'll look for it if we can find it in our uh neck of the woods keep in mind we're in arizona it doesn't have to exclusively be a beer if you just have some sort of drink yeah like a mixture throw us a cocktail yeah i'll drink the shit out of that i'll be all about that nice so before we get into our main stories guys we like to do 
what are you up to when Andrew and I take a minute to kind of talk about what we've been playing and what we've been watching. So I'll let the birthday boy go first. Uh, so I actually just finished Halo, so I ran through the story. I was doing side stuff along the way, and then I was like, oh, I'll get to this stuff later. I'll come back and kind of do all the cleanup and everything. So I was able to finish it in under eight hours without skipping cutscenes or anything like that. It was actually really, really good. A lot better than kind of maybe what I thought it was going to be. I kind of kept my expectations low because I didn't want to set them like too high. But I actually really, really enjoyed it. And I think maybe that might have been the better way to play too. Because by doing that, I'm just getting like story, 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 story. Instead of doing all this other stuff and then coming back to a story and then doing all this other stuff and coming back. Because it opens up pretty early on to not where you're unlocking, okay, here's a section, here's a section, here's a section. Once it opens up, it opens up. You can kind of go anywhere and do whatever you want to. These are facts. These are facts. So I really loved it. Went through... Did my cleanup, so I'll just be playing multiplayer on that now until they add co-op and then go through and do like a nice legendary run or something. Mm. I did start Scarlet Nexus because I wanted to be that for the end of the year. I'm not too far into it, but I'm already loving it. I feel like it's... I was telling Craig, I was like, unless this is that JRPG I really felt like I was missing this year, I don't know if it'll make my game of the year. It is that JRPG that I was missing. As soon as I got into the combat, I'm absolutely loving it. The story's crazy, but it's almost like within... It feels a lot more anime than just like, you know, like Final Fantasy story or something like that. It feels, <laughs> excuse me, more like Ghost in the Shell kind of Ooh. in a way. And so, and I love Ghost in the Shell, so maybe that's why I'm really like kind of vibing on it. And the music, I don't know if you listen to like a little bit of it, but it's got like these weird remixes and stuff. I don't know. It's just crazy, crazy good. And then as far as watching anything, I am going to go see the new Spider-Man. Haven't seen it yet. I'm going to go do that on my birthday. But I did cruise through the Harry Potters because I haven't seen the final two. And I had only seen, I think, uh, what am I thinking? Half-Lid Prince like once. Uh And now I've watched that one like three different times. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm liking some of these better than maybe what I remembered. I still wouldn't. I still hate when people are like, oh, I'm a Potterhead, and Pot- Harry Potter's better than Star Wars and stuff. I would never say anything like that, but it is really good. I would I would say Harry Potter's... I would go to the theme park. Stri- it's better than oh, it's modern better. Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, modern Star Wars, for sure. The theme parks are awesome. I've actually went to them on uh, California side and Florida side, so it's actually really fun. And it's I think a couple weeks ago, I, I just ran through all the Harry Potters, so it's good if you're doing them back to back to back to back, and uh, yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of magic in those movies. Hey, I feel like a schoolgirl again. Are you a Ravenclaw? Did you figure that out? Me? No. I'm or what did Cece say she was? I'm sure Gryffindor? Or is she uh, a Hufflepuff? I told her she's a Hufflepuff. I felt like if I did choose something, I'd probably be even Ravenclaw or Slytherin, because I'm a bully. And I feel like <laughs> everyone in Slytherin's a bully. Nice. Um, is that everything for you, my man? Yeah, what about you? So what I've been up to... Um, so as far as what I've been watching, um, I feel like I've really been slacking. I have been dedicating a lot of my time to w- playing games, which is always good. But you know, I like to consider myself pretty knowledgeable on movies and you know, the Golden Globes and the Academy Awards are coming up, and I've kind of been slipping on what the big contenders are. So I've actually went back and started um, checking a lot of these out. One of the movies that I started was, um, which is on Netflix, if you guys want to check it out, which is The Power of the Dog. Never heard of it, but Kristen, Kirsten Dunst is in it, and Benedict Cumberbatch is in it. And I, from what people are saying, it's like he might be up for an act or an Oscar for it, and it's, it's one of the runner-ups, but it's a slow movie, at least starting out. I, it's like a two and a half hour or two hour movie. I've been watching it like in 40 minute, like, cause I can, I can put down a movie and then watch it the next day and pick right back up. I don't have an issue with that. I know a lot of people right. can't do that, but the big one that I watched, which is on HBO 
is uh, King Richard, which is about the um, the father of Serena Williams. The tennis movie. And uh, Venus Williams. Yeah, the tennis movie, which is awesome. A lot of people are saying this is going to be you know, his best performance since Ali, which I think got him an Oscar. They're saying this could be an Oscar contender. You're smiling, but I'm not sure why. Because uh, I told my mom we were going to go, when, that when we went to go see Resident Evil, she's like, oh, well, what else is going on? What's that movie with like the castles and like the medieval? Because there's some other like medieval movie oh, that came with, out. Oh, uh, with um, uh, Adam Driver and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah, that one. And she said that looked interesting. She's like, what is that one? She was looking at the name. She's like, oh, let's go see. It's King Richard. Let's go see King Richard. I was like, I, I'm pretty sure that's the tennis movie, and so I just thought it was that was funny as shit. Cause that's instantly what I think of now. It's a it's a really good movie. It's not quite what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more about what they did as kids, and then what they did as like adults. Like once they transitioned into being like obviously the most successful like tennis pros ever. But it really just it really just sticks to the kids. It's it's really like a three year kind of uh, movie that just kind of shows from when they were practicing and starting to like how they got to where they are. So if you guys are interested in it, um, I can clearly see why they would put um, Will Smith up for this. I mean, I had to watch some of these other movies. I don't know if it's if it would be mine just yet, but a lot of people are saying this is a shoe-in for him. But there's you know there's going to be about five other movies, so I'm going to look at the rest of that list and maybe probably talk about that next week if I've knocked out anymore so as far as what uh oh no i actually i did go to go see spider-man i went to go see that um yesterday because i was gonna go watch it with you when you got got out of work but i can't i don't want to deal with spoilers and there is a lot in this movie that could get spoiled andrew doesn't really care about shit like that but like for me if i would have heard some of the things that i now know are in this movie i would have been pissed and kudos to my brother gino he he was able to go the whole distance with never seeing a no way a spider-man no way home trailer so he went into this thing and learned all the secrets at once. So that would have been very impressive. I've so I think I saw the first three uh, trailer spots. I didn't see the last one um, because I, I was just done at that point. I'm like, I know I'm gonna watch this, but dude, this movie is fantastic. Next week, I'm sure once you see it, maybe we can talk about it a little bit more once we talk about what you've been up to. Yeah, but for I, sure. It's it's got everything you want in a Spider-Man. Movie. It does. It's got heavy emotion. It does a lot of great fan service. It um. It tackles it in a whole new way that when you watch it, you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe like this is the direction they went. And I will give you guys this um, piece of advice. There's two end credit scenes. So stay for the one that's, you know, in the beginning. And then at the end, there's one after the full credits. So if you guys are interested in seeing it, stay to the end. So would you say it was better than uh, Mysterio? Oh, fuck. Yeah, it's it's probably my top three. So um, and it might be higher than that. I have to, I got to I got to reassess my whole my whole uh, comic book movie situation and as far as what i've been playing nothing new i've just been playing more halo me and dante jump on every day doing those weeklies. we play the weeklies yeah we smash out in a day um i am doing my my uh speed run in it where you beat it in under eight hours but since i've already beaten it and I have the skull i get to use the bandana which is unlimited uh ammo and unlimited uh grenades so just do that on easy yeah. and just cruise through. so hopefully i can beat it fairly quickly so uh leave down in the comments below guys what you've been playing what you've been up to what you've been doing and if you got any plans for uh the holidays let us know we'd love to hear about that so uh moving into our main story guys we're going to talk about the console (coughs) sales for 2021 which is mainly going to revolve kind of about next gen which is the psx the xbox series and then we're still going to count the switch and the switch oled because it is in kind of that weird middle spot yeah yeah. so um starting with the uh, article they have on the verge it says nintendo switch and the xbox series take top slots in U.S. console sales as a shortage as so, uh, shortages continue. 
Hardware spending is down 38% from last year, despite how many people want to buy new consoles. So just to be clear, these are the top um, selling spots um, for the end of the year. Uh, there's still been really good numbers with the PS5 and the Series X, but the main thing we're kind of tackling here is the difference between um, you know, the availability and the price that you get with the Switch and the Series S versus the um, the unavailability of the other two, which is kind of the, how I wanted to start asking you, Andrew. Do you think that the if the Series X and the PS5 were still available, readily available, do you think that they would have beaten out the Switch and the Series S? Do you think people were looking more for the affordability? Because these both are at $299.99, which is a cheap entry point, regardless of what in the timeline you're looking at this for uh for consoles and then the switch also has the appeal of the you know you can take it anywhere or do you think the ps5 and the series x would have taken it as far as people are like okay i'm ready to upgrade it's it's time do you think if they were available the outcome still would have been the same for this year maybe because i think the hardcore gamers are really going to get what they want and that's sure that would have helped with some sale but i'm sure a lot of these sales aren't from people that are like you, me, like us, anyone I'm sure watches this channel that are like diehard. They're probably people just going to the store like, oh, you know, my son said he wanted an Xbox. I don't know the difference between whatever. I'm just going to grab that one. Because I'm like, and it is going, I, I think the bigger factor versus what the consoles do is going to be that affordability and availability has obviously been the biggest thing. I As far as where anyone else lives, here where we live, it's been super easy to get an Xbox Series S. I see them all the time at the store. That doesn't mean that they're not selling because when I go back into the store a few days later, they're sold out, but then somehow they get more. They're sold out. We just both went to GameStop, traded in our Xbox One Xs, and they easily got us a Series S just sent out. I asked them, I was like, can you even get like an X? Is that even an option? Like we haven't had those in a while. They haven't give us, given us an option for that in a while or even a PlayStation 5, but it seems like the Series S I don't know if Microsoft just got like a better deal on the chips or what they did with their allotment. I don't know how they pulled it off, but there seems to be a lot more of those in the wild and they are selling. Yeah, I'm not sure if the Series S uses the same chip as like the X and the because the PS5, um, the disc model and the digital model are the same machine. Just right. one has a drive, one doesn't. I think the S doesn't use the Series X chip. I may be completely mistaken, but I think maybe that's why the Series S is kind of still available and one of the things I was kind of looking at, and if you guys consider this um, like a flaw at all, is the Series S really just has two things that a lot of people would consider like a step backwards. And the main one would be that there's no, it's all digital. It's an only digital console. And I feel like moving forward, that's where a lot of things are moving. I, only go, I, all I can't remember the last time I actually bought a disc unless it's something me and you were sharing. Right. And like, it's like uh, we bought Metroid together for the Switch. But the other thing is that its biggest drawback is that it doesn't do 4K. Which I don't think most people, average gamers, really care about. I mean, and, and the other thing is most people don't have a 4K right. setup, a 4K TV. So I, I feel like the 299 price point for the S probably helped it out quite a bit. I mean, I mean, if you're if you're into looking at the fidelity and you're looking at things like Forza, you know, the new Forza um, Horizon Five, or you're playing games like Destiny, then maybe you do want the Series X and you want that 4K, like, because if that's your go-to game every day, I could see why you'd want to get it the best way you can. Upgrade a new TV on Black Friday, but I mean, if you're not, which I think probably what more 70 80 percent of gamers are just kind of more casual or don't care about the 4K, then I think that was probably a huge selling point. I I would be curious though, you know, in a different alternate dimension, who would have came out on top if they both would have been, if I went to Walmart and they were both side by side, 
what would have been, you know, the actual pick. I wonder how many people bought this too as like a placeholder. Like, oh, you know what? I can't get an X. I'm just going to get an S for right now. Perfect Ride placeholder that game pass. for sure. Because uh, my cousin's a perfect example. I play Xbox with him all the time. His Series S has been kind of taking a shit lately. And he asked me, he's like, you know, what's the difference? Because I, t- I told him, I was like, maybe you should just get an S, man. Because it seems like those are more readily available. I could even buy you one and ship it to you. And then you can just go on from there. It's like, well, what's the difference? I'm like, well, the only thing it doesn't do is it doesn't display in like natural 4K. But some, you know, some games do have the up res to 4K. So some things will just look maybe like a little muddy or maybe not be as good as it could have been. But it, if it can do it, he mainly plays Call of Duty. It runs the 120. It's got like an up resolution, yeah. not a natural resolution. And for him, that's more than enough. He's like, cool, I'm sold. And he went out and just bought himself an S instead of sitting here waiting and waiting and waiting or trying to get online and race everybody yeah. else to get a Series X. I was like, yeah, that's probably the better move for you. And now even still, if you want to get an X, this is your stopgap. You could either keep it or you could trade this in because now this is going to be more value than whatever it is you had before towards that Series X whenever that comes out. Or you could just sell it, you know, on Facebook Market or something like that. Yeah, or, you know, whatever. Because Denny did the same thing. He, he's like, all right, I'll get a Series S and I'll wait for the X to be readily available. Dante was able to take advantage of the GameStop trading deal where you could trade in your 1X, get a $300 credit uh, towards the S, which is 300 and then you pay the tax. And even him, when he was we were playing Halo, he's like, oh, I can see... I, I, he's like, I, cause the, the, it is a next gen system. And let's not, you know, let's not pretend it's not. It is right. a next gen system. It's just not as powerful as the Series X or the PS5. He's like, dude, I can instantly see a difference. I can instantly see how much faster it is. So it is a perfect system to get if you guys are, if you're an Xbox fan, if you're waiting to get the next one. But let me continue with the Verge article um, talking about the Switch. And it says, uh, the retail sales trackers at MPD Group said console hardware sales in November have been falling off by 38% to 883 million in November compared to the same month in 2020, which is when the new PlayStation and Xbox launched. That drop comes despite a still intense desire to obtain the systems as well as the availability of the new version of Nintendo's console. This past November, the Switch still dominated sales, and the Crazy. data shows that combined, the new and old version sold 1.13 million units last month, including 550,000 in the week of Black Friday and Thanksgiving. Just like it was in October, it's the system people can actually get, and it's top sales charts for 35 of the last 36 months. And I think the only month they missed is when, for some odd reason, <coughs> I believe the PS5 actually sold the most and you know it, however that happened but I, I do want to shine light on the xbox series s as well and this comes to us from game Rant. it says following black friday however it's been reported that the xbox series s outsold the playstation 5 xbox series x and all nintendo switch models one theory for this jump in sales for the system is that the ps5 and series x have been notoriously difficult to find resulting in gaming enthusiasts picking up the only current gen hardware available However, there's another explanation for the Series S's newfound popularity that, when looking at all the signs, could just as likely be true. People simply really like the all-digital budget console. And that's kind of what Andrew and I were saying. At $299, it is the cheapest entry point into next-gen, and it does offer the next-gen experience. So, I mean, hats off to both of those machines. I mean, unfortunately, not everyone could get the big machine they wanted, but these are two solid choices for you know that are more affordable that you can still put under the tree this year. I think it opens the door for a very interesting conversation because now this is gonna like are we still looking at this as oh man the PlayStation is still dominating 
the Xbox like it was last generation, or is it just supply constraint? Because there was another website that we were actually looking at too, and I don't want to. You can check it out yourself. I didn't. I don't know too much about them, so I don't want to hold you know hold them for uh, take this as the holy grail. But it's called Game Charts, and they had a whole bunch of game sales on there. But what I was looking at is so they had the modern what the consoles are sold now, and I think it's like. or the last time that they like checked in or guessed because xbox hasn't shaded their numbers in a while but it was like 10 million to like 6 million so playstation obviously being in the lead but then it said or however they had broke down that chart but then it said by january though they expect that number to be 10 million xbox to 15 million playstation so now that changes the narrative of oh playstation is outselling the xbox two to one versus now they're catching up and they have a lead but it's not as it's not that two to one lead like what you thought it was yeah so i do want to move as as you know as happy we are for the xbox series s to do as well as it did and the switch to do as well as it did we do kind of just kind of talk about you know the other side is is why some of these consoles are like unavailable. But before we get there, I kind of want to just kind of piggyback off of Andrew's thing. I did find this chart on uh, Statista if you guys are interested in checking it out. So, uh, and this is going to be a worldwide chart from North America, Europe, Japan, and then the, uh, the rest of the world. But they're showing the big numbers first. Is that collectively in 2020, the Xbox Series X and the Series S have sold 8.2 million units so far, and then the PS5 has sold 13.4 million units in 2020. So even though they, they aren't as... About that 5 million yeah, difference yeah, I was just open, talking about. Openly available. That's still a decent amount of players that have that have it. But the Nintendo Switch that's been going on since 2017 has sold a record 92.9. Yeah. And this is um, as of September 2021. So this doesn't include numbers for you know the awesome November that they just had for Black Friday moving into December. So I just got to say that it, it is kind of crazy to see that PS5 is still selling 5 million units more than Xbox. And you can really see it like in Japan where PlayStation 5 is 1.1 million and it's 0.1 million uh, in Japan for the Xbox, which is crazy that it hasn't taken off there especially you know obviously not everywhere the price point matters or the availability some people just are waiting for what they want and there's nothing wrong and wrong with that at all some people would rather have nothing under that tree (laughs) so um i want to get into um there's if you guys are still looking to get them it's not impossible there are still a bunch of um groups that pop up or even like i've been getting emails from like walmart and uh, best buy and gamestop kind of like a watch list playstation still sends out those reserve things so if you guys are looking there's also groups though like on facebook and one of the guys that caught a lot of people's eye is this guy named amir asaf so let me read this real quick to you guys from cnn business and it says Amir Asaf, 32, from Flushing, Michigan, runs three different social media pages to help gamers share tips on product availability in addition to tweeting updates from his Twitter page. That's really cool of him. Dude, it's awesome. He manages a restock group on messaging app Discord and his PS5 restock updates and alerts group on Facebook with over 60,000 followers. And he says, A number of people started playing more video games during the pandemic and became interested in buying or upgrading their existing consoles. SF, I'm, I'm saying I'm going to say SF. I don't know if it's exactly what his name is. Told CNN Business, we're effectively seeing a situation where there is an incredibly high demand coupled with a very low supply. The PS5 shortage has been the worst one I've ever seen so far. He said scalper scalper bots, which quickly buy items to resell at a higher price, are also making it harder for the for average customers this year. But here's the part that I thought was the most interesting. 
Analysis predicts supply chain issues will impact the gaming industry well into 2022 and possibly into 2023. Right. said he will continue to do his best to help connect consumers with the conveyed console, which I think at this point, a lot of people thought 2021, you know, you couldn't get it at the end of 2022 in November when they launched. The end of 2021 would be by then, most people should have Thanks, them. Yeah. We, we don't have to worry about, um, you know, uh, scalper bots and everything like that. I think it's kind of tough to hear that it's going to be well into 2022. So we're talking at least maybe closer to fall and then possibly 2023. I mean, that has to completely change what a lot of people's minds were. And my biggest thing is like, which I think is going to hurt it more than it's ever going to help it is that a lot of game uh, developers, instead of making games exclusively for the next gen are going to keep these games back on right. last gen the same way Cyberpunk did. And we don't want to see another issue like that where the development gets messed up because they're still holding, they're still supporting, you know, the old generation. But at this point, why would you make your game exclusive if nobody has it? And, and it's going for another two years. And leave behind 70 million times $60 if you sell your game or whatever, you know, past generation. Yeah, so, well, I mean, like. what do you do? What are you thinking? Do you think people are just going to sit tight or do you think there's going to be a miracle come the end of 2022 when we get supply restraints i think you're out. gonna have to sit tight or you're gonna have to bite the bullet this guy at my work um just i don't know if i'd mentioned it before actually just bought a ps5 from a scalper online from some website and paid like 800 dollars for it and i was like yeah man you paid a nice premium <laughs> price but at that point it's almost worth it if you don't have to sit my buddy randy marino just uh bought one on, from somebody and i don't think he paid the cheapest price i think he did the same thing I, I think he paid a little higher but it's like now you have it now it's yours so yeah but i mean there's nothing else you can do as someone i i don't sell cars or anything i work at a car dealership but i have to hear it all the time because we go through a similar shortage and i have to tell you know my dad was looking for a car and i told him I'm like it's not the best time to buy now it's not going to be next year you either take whatever deals are on the table or you're looking at you're gonna have to wait till 2023 yeah so it's extremely unfortunate i mean it's it's weird because it's like you, you got to celebrate the bad with the good, and it sucks that it's at the same time because it's great that the Switch sold, you know, a lot. You know, that means a lot of people are going to be playing some good Nintendo games. It's awesome that the Series S sold, which means a lot of people are going to be jumping on Game Pass and playing Xbox games. It's unfortunate that everybody that wants to upgrade their system can't, and unfortunately, main you know that may last till twenty twenty three. I'll say you want to know what something I have noticed that I think is a little weird too is I have not seen a single xbox one or an xbox one s or an x i know they stopped doing the one x but i haven't seen any of the older consoles like how we had the three you could still get a 360 for like a good long while same with like a ps3 right i haven't seen any of those in stores yeah, at yeah. all uh-huh. i, I own now that. that i i'm thinking about it unless i went in a GameStop where they have their use section but i don't even know i don't know if they had any but i wouldn't blame them that, or uh, you know if they did i wouldn't call it lucky because people trade them in all the time but i've only seen new consoles in store yeah. I think I, I can't even think of seeing a PS4 last time I went into Walmart or Target. Yeah, I I, I mean, good point out. I I didn't I never really thought about it, but I guess not. But again, that's probably why you you probably aren't seeing them because nobody can trade them in. Nobody's gonna you know why would you trade in your One X if you can't get the Series X? Why are you right. trading in your PS4 if you can't get your PS5? This is gonna be your main console to possibly 2023. So I just gotta say, um, if you wanna guys wanna jump on you know SF's groups. Um, the link is in the description, but do yourself a favor. Look for more things like this. There's a lot of things on Twitter that give like insight to when things are going to launch. So if it is something you're desperately looking to do, then there are ways to do it. I did it with my PS5. I was able to get it very fast off of Walmart. If it's something you, you don't care about, 
then obviously this isn't a big wait, deal. Yeah. And don't take the stress. Don't keep sitting there worried about it. If you can wait another year and a half to play some games, then then do that. But if you guys are seriously interested, I mean, there's still ways to get it, and we, we will kind of still see that sprinkle through 2022, I'm sure. If you're looking at something, I would highly recommend getting an S in the meantime versus waiting for the X if that's more readily available. Yeah. But also in the meantime, too, even though he's not there anymore, RIP to my GameStop contact. At least you got us in while you got us no, in. And no. the stories like this. No, I'm that- saying fuck him because he, he still owes me for that bet for Far Cry 6. And I texted him, and as soon as he left GameStop, he went ghost on me, bro. I was hey. like, hey, I need that six-pack for that Far Cry 6 He got pack. me my Series X, so I'm not sitting here fighting fucking scalpers all the time. You know so he, this got, one, he got me mine too. So This one's for you, man. Um, so, guys, with that being said, um, jump down below. Let us know how you guys feel about the success that two consoles have had and kind of the unavailability that the other two are having. And if you guys have one, awesome. Or if you guys know any cool sites or recommendations, how other people can try to find them quicker, uh, leave those down in the comments below so other people can read that. So moving into our second story, guys, we are getting towards the end of the year. So Andrew and I kind of wanted to look at the top 10 best-selling games of 2021. And this is going to be retail and digital and kind of just take a look at it and see if anything stands out or did it is this textbook so are you ready yeah let's go So uh, i'm gonna read them all first and then we'll kind of go back through them one by one and kind of uh <coughs> say our our thoughts and opinions so number one is call of duty black ops cold war from activision blizzard number two is call of duty vanguard activision blizzard number three is madden nfl 22 from ea Number four is MLB The Show uh, from Sony. Number five is Resident Evil Village from Capcom. Number six is Battlefield 2042 from EA. Number seven is Super Mario 3D World from Nintendo. Number eight is Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl from Nintendo. Number nine is Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales from Sony. And number 10 is Far Cry 6 from Ubisoft. So, I, I mean, we have to just kind of point out the obvious. The fact that one and two are both Call of Duties is crazy and the fact that the new one is the second best-selling game in the year that it came out with so call of duty black ops cold war came out november 13th 2020 of last year and the new vanguard came out september 10th 2021 so it's not incredibly crazy because it's only been a few months it's only had a right. few months to, to get its traction but the fact <clears throat> that black ops cold war from last year is still the number one selling game of this year is gnarly i thought i hated cold war but i would gladly give up vanguard to go back to that vanguard is dog shit <laughs> i was gonna point this out too because i was curious um the actual uh games from last year from 2020 the best-selling game l- last year the best two were call of duty black ops cold war and call of duty modern warfare modern warfare was so the goat though it's it's kind of weird activision and blizzard have this have call of duty and it's the it's not the best-selling game of the year it's the two best-selling games right. of the year, and at least uh, the only ones I checked were this year and last year. But a lot of people are always like, "Oh, they need to stop annualizing them. It needs to, you know, they need time to, Why to develop them." But yeah, if you're showing me that in 2020 that their only competition for the number one spot is themselves, then there's no way in hell these things are gonna stop being annual. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. As someone that plays a lot of Call of Duties, I mean, you can't argue the math. But, I mean, is it something you'd want them to slow down on? It's a bad thing for us gamers. I mean, I personally bought it, but that's because me and Craig played it, so we could talk about it on the show. So we're different. Had I not, if I wasn't doing the show, 
I would not have bought this game. This game is broken. It is terrible. They even have like a new fucking Krampus skin where it's almost like <laughs> your dude's wearing like a bull skull with like horns or something like that. That if any one person is wearing that in your lobby, it crashes the whole fucking lobby for everybody mm. and kicks it out on top of the many, many other issues on top of the fact that they're bringing those issues into Warzone and Call of Duty's the worst. I, I thought it was bad. I would rather go back and deal with the cheaters than deal with this bullshit. That's how <laughs> like bad it is for me that... I mean, they're just making money off of it because they have anybody who's going to go out there and buy it. It's arguably the most popular game. But I'm hoping that maybe somehow they're going to do what they did before. Because when they did Modern Warfare, not to be confused with 4, but the 2019's Modern Warfare, that game was absolutely fucking amazing. That game won awards because it deserved awards. It had an amazing story, the sound design. Everything about that game was great, and that's what led into Warzone, and that's when that game was absolutely peak. And that game deserves the praise that it gets, whereas everything else since then has just not been. So if... I have to wait through three annualized games just to get another fucking good game that's had time to bake, then I guess whatever, but I'm not going to stop calling it dog shit along the way. Yeah, because again, you can just, I mean, kind of wait for which developer you like because they do do a cycle of who makes it. And Black Ops Cold War was uh, done by Treyarch, and I know they had help with Raven uh, Software and Beanox, where Vanguard was simply just from Sledgehammer Games. So you really just kind of got to look at who's making it, and if it's the right one for you. But yeah, there's no arguing that they've been top two every, you know, for the last two years. I don't see it ever, or at least slowing down anytime soon of why they wouldn't make another one every year. So I want to say Call of Duty's probably been the number one. I don't know if there's been a game that sold more, except for maybe Grand Theft Auto, the year that Grand Theft Auto came out. I'd have to look up, like, the stats, but generally Call of Duty's, like, the number one game every year. Yeah, so moving into number three and the number four spots, are um are, are sports titles, which is, you know, that sounds about right. You know, yeah. sports games are, are outside of shooters. I would say sports games are pretty much the next best-selling Always guaranteed. Uh, genre. And that is going to be uh, Madden NFL 22, which launched on August 17th, 2021. And then you have MLB The Show, which launched on February uh, 20... Oh, what, did I put in the wrong one? Uh, let me grab the date real quick. But I wanted to say the interesting thing about MLB The Show is that it's been it was an exclusive for Sony since 2006. So this thing has been kind of a Sony exclusive, and that was their sports game. Uh, everyone's always loved it. It always does great up until recently when they finally kind of got rid of that and became a cross-platform game, which is now on Xbox. Sony still remained the publisher. So there's games that have been that Xbox owns that are on Sony now, like Minecraft and um, uh, Deathloop this year, that are still owned by by uh, Microsoft. But I think MLB The Show is the first one where you, when you turned on um, your Xbox and started the game, the it, showed up, it showed up the Sony logo, which is pretty crazy. And the it's... What I find more interesting, the fact that it hit the number four spot, was that this was a day and date game on the Game Pass, meaning that if you had the Game Pass, you weren't buying it. But either so many more people on Sony continued to buy that game, or there's just, or maybe both, is there's just enough amount of people on Xbox who maybe don't play the Game Pass. I don't know if it's yeah, on who, Game Pass anymore. But it was day and date, though. So, yeah, I mean, may, I was going to say maybe that many people loved it and got that good of a taste from playing it. Kept going it, from there. And that could have helped boost those sales too like i never would have played a baseball game but if it's free on there i'll try it and if it's that fucking good then that's one sale that they wouldn't have had yeah so so then i guess um i would rephrase it as it, it couldn't have been great for their opening 
like Numbers, month or yeah. two like that. But the fact that um, it's still high up there um, is great. I mean, Madden, we always know, is a given. I love to see MLB on there. And because last year on the 2020 chart, MLB The Show was only was number 18 out of 20. So now that it shot up to number four. Now this multi-plat, yeah, that for sure helped Super, it. super impressive. <coughs> yeah, that's a that? huge jump. The next game I know is Andrew's favorite is uh, Resident Evil 8 is in the number five spot. And I wasn't so surprised to see it on the list. I mean, it was nominated for Game of the Year. What I was surprised was um, just to kind of see as high as it was beating out, when we talk about the next ones, beating out Nintendo games, beating out right. staple Mario games, staple Pokemon games. So uh, great for Capcom to have a game that's so high as in the bestseller Especially being a Resident Evil title. The cap Connaissance is continuing, man. And that's the thing is it's even though it's a Resident Evil title, it's a horror game. Horror games don't generally chart that well. Not that I can really think of. I can't think of. I, I mean, these ones have been because they've been phenomenally well and really well done. But yeah, well, it, they sell well, but in like a particular audience, not, so like not top ten. Well, no, but I mean, like, like everyone that plays horror games will buy it. But that audience is so small compared to the vast majority that it's kind of cool to see that it hits the top five. And it came out in May first, twenty twenty one. So I mean, it had a lot of time to kind of gain some numbers, gain some traction, get good word of mouth in. Andrew told me about it. I played it next, loved it. Right, because usually those games they pick up those numbers over time. So it's good to see it something like picking up like fast, fast. And I'm really enjoying that. Yeah, so the next game, which is, you know, kind of the one that hurts, is Battlefield. I'm surprised this game yeah, started. 2042, which came out um, a little earlier this year, which, and it's it it just came out. It wasn't November. It was November 19th. So it's only been out for a month, a little over a month, or not even a month yet. And it's already number six, which just goes to show that these pre-orders and, you know, mean something in terms of its sales, but also that people were looking forward to this game. People wanted to play the next Battlefield because unlike Call of Duty, it's not annualized. You sit around, you wait a couple years, you get it. And I mean, Andrew's the Battlefield guy way over me, but before I pass it over to him, it sucks that this game came out and it let down a lot of people, but still is in the number six spot. So what what was your take on it? What surprises me more about it taking the number six spot is that this game, like Craig was saying, it is broken. It is bare bone. It's got a lot of problems with it. I only purchased it because someone else in my family did. So, and honestly, we haven't even played it at all since we got it. But this I, I, game, I played the demo, and that was it. This game had a demo, which was indicative of problems. But if you didn't want to believe that, you had the free 10 hours of EA access I to play it. before you buy this game. So how many people bought this game without even trying that? And that's my big thing. I at least tried it, but I had other people that were buying it. That I'm like, fuck, I'll have to buy it too, and then maybe we'll just play it once it gets better. But how many people bought this game after that 10 hours, or how many sales did it lose? That's why I'm so surprised to see it so high on there. Yeah, um, I find it extremely crazy that Battlefield 42, a game that came out unplayable, shot that high up. And again, I mean, that just needs to show these guys that they need to take it more seriously. Like, the game has to come out. People are buying it, and it sucks when you buy, you know, a lemon. And, you know, and you expected gold. <laughs> I hate that it's that high because I feel like they're like, okay, well, we fucked up, but this game still charted really good. So, like, we're not going to learn our lesson, and let's just keep doing whatever. Yeah, so uh, the next game... Um, that's number seven is Super Mario 3D World, and number eight is um, the Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. And you had to find a Mario game on the list somewhere. I'm super surprised that it's as low as it is. And because if you look at 2020, Mario had three different games on there. They had Mario 3D All Stars, uh, Super uh, Mario Kart 8, Super Smash Ultimate. This game is a remake of a game from 2013. 
and they added on the the Bowser's Fury part. But to me, it's it's I mean, it's a Mario game and it's fun and it's got every, everything that you need in it. But it just wasn't that fun. So it's just one of those things that there's that many Switch people out there that like this is just a staple game that you have to buy. If you have a Switch, this has to be one of the games that you own, right. regardless if you like it or not. Because a lot of people were giving it like a five, a nine, an eight point seven out of ten. I was giving it like a seven. It was it was kind of just more of the same. I didn't really see too much innovation in it besides the added on Bowser's Fury, which really wasn't anything special. But as far as Pokemon go, I think this is just I mean, it's the same thing they've been doing since day one. Rinse and repeat. Make an old game, make two of them, people are gonna buy it. And then in ten years, you make the next one. So the same as you know, Pokemon Red. Then let's do Fire Red. Now we, I mean, it's just nuts. But I think people were excited to finally see a traditional Pokemon game finally on the Switch and being able to play it on a TV that had to do something with it. But I mean, they know that formula and they're not changing that anytime soon. I know people were definitely let down by Sword and Shield that I'm, I'm not surprised Pokemon's on the list. I definitely thought it would be a lot higher. Uh, exactly, higher. Yeah, Pokemon should be, in my mind, top way five. Higher. But maybe people are starting to get burned out by them. I mean, and maybe that's just, maybe that's the first indication that it's not a number three. It's finally being, but again, this game, uh, Pokemon, only launched in uh, November 19th. So it's only had, again, half a, m- a month, less than that, to get as high as it did. I'm so. surprised it's lower than Battlefield, and it came out on the same date. Yeah, and that ga- at least this game is a remake of so- some would consider a classic that works. But the next one is going to be number nine, which is Miles Morales, or Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is probably the most baffling one to me because not only is it a Sony exclusive, so it's on the one platform, but it came out in November 12, 2020. Of last year, so, yeah. Of last year. So um, the fact that it's still a top 10 bestseller of the year, uh, super excited for it. And obviously, they had the Spider-Man movie going for it, which, again, is fire. I mean, that may have bol- bolstered sales, and people have been like, oh, well, let me play some more Spider-Man games. And they just did the Spider-Man uh, Ultimate Edition. So it's the Miles Morales. But if you buy that version, it comes with number one. So you get both games for the price of one. Um, I don't know. I would say that's super interesting, but I'm super excited for him. Well deserved, and I wonder. T- I was thinking too. I wonder if this is coasting off of that Spider Verse movie. Oh yeah, yeah. It's got into the Spider Verse, and it's got No Way Home. So it's just rocking and rolling. Uh, anything else on that one? Nah. So the final game is Far Cry Six, which, in my mind, should have been a lot higher. It's it's cross platform. It's got the brand behind it of of being Far Cry. It's got it's known for having excellent gameplay. It's known for having iconic villains. Um, again, it only came out in October sixth. 2021 but um to be number 10 it's kind of interesting so um i really liked it i super enjoyed it i don't know if it wouldn't be in my top five but it would be in my top 10 for the year so at least it made the list maybe people are just tired of and tired of that whole like collectathon mentality not that you collect anything but that's generally what you call when you've got 40 different icons on the map that you got to go all around and do all that stuff yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I maybe had they gone with a more like bite-sized chunk, that would have fared better for him or something. Bite-sized you know? chunk, he says. So uh, those are the top sellers, guys, of twenty twenty-one. Um, let me know if you agree with it. I mean, you can't really argue it, but like, should those have been the games that people are buying? I mean, it's weird to think a lot of those are all came out in October, November. You know, and they're right. still jumping the charts. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a super. What was the most interesting one to you? I still think Miles Morales being on there is probably the most interesting one to me. Battlefield charting blows my mind. With the state that that game launched in, that's the one that surprised me the most. Nice. So with our stories done, guys, we're going to move into riffing it up. Uh, So Andrew, riff it up on this so we can talk a little bit about your 
your documentary. Sure, I'll go first. And this is something else that I've been watching too. Um, there's a new documentary that's out called Power On, and it's pretty much the story of Xbox. It's six um, episodes that are all about like 45 to 55 minutes long. And uh, you can actually find them, I think they're in other places, but the easiest place is just to go to Xbox's YouTube. And it's actually really well done documentary. And so it's literally from the inception of when Xbox was just an idea all the way up until current affairs. And it's crazy to go back and watch it. And you see there's all kinds of people in there. And I think that's more what I'm impressed of is they really dug deep for a lot of footage. You got people like young Cliff Blazinski, the Sessler on there. Kevin Pereira is on there from G4. Even still. And then it goes back further. They just have old things of like Bill Gates. Joseph Staten's on there. It's, it's just wild. All the footage and all the people that they actually got to come on board and be able to do this thing. And even to like interview them, like, Hey, let me interview you 40 years later. It's crazy. It's been really good so far. I'm only on the third episode. I know Craig's actually already finished it, but so far it's been great. It's been one of my favorite documentaries. I think I would put it up there, but not better than the Console Wars one that we watched because Sega versus Nintendo is always a crazy interesting story. And 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 a, like a cornerstone history piece where like you should know this. The, you know the the success of Xbox is very fun to watch. And and uh, Andrew and I were talking earlier. It wasn't regurgitated knowledge that we've seen in a thousand other documentaries. That's my favorite. A thing. lot of this was like some of it was brand new information to me. And a lot um, of it is. Yeah, there's six there's six parts. And the ones that got my attention the most was episode four and five, where the, the episode four kind of talks about the saving grace of Xbox and how Halo was like really integral to keep them afloat. But then right after that is kind of, you know, the biggest slap in the face they took with the red ring of death. So more on that if you guys want to check it out. And I think those two episodes alone could almost be like standalones because they kind of go back to back. But you should watch the whole thing. And uh, while Andrew was saying that, I just wanted to bring it up where you could watch it. It says right here that you can watch it on IMDb TV. You can watch it on the Microsoft.com, uh, Redbox, Roku channel. And then the easiest and, you know, the most convenient is just on YouTube. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic. If you guys have any interest in a gaming documentary about Xbox, this this is easily the best one. And I think that they're the I, I wonder if they're the ones who made it. I'm not sure. But what I think I like, too, about this documentary a lot is that it doesn't sugarcoat anything. It's not biased. It's not like if Nintendo, not that they would, Nintendo made a documentary about Nintendo, but cut out all the fat. Like, they literally take the, like he said, the slap on the face with the red ring, or they even start, like, through Xbox's Dark Years, and then it's like, TV, 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 TV. They, oh, they, man, they poke I, I, yeah. I haven't made it there yet, but they're not, it seems like they're not going to skip over that, and they're literally like, yeah, you know, we fucked up bad here, this is what we went through, and they talk about all the missteps on the way through, and all their fumblings, and I really like that a lot more than them just saying, like, everything went perfect, 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 maybe a little step you know what i mean yeah i like to see the you know them fall and learn from those lessons and then come back yeah it's fantastic so uh my riff guys is that uh splinter cell has announced that they are getting a remake so this comes to us from ign and the article starts off saying ubisoft has announced that it has greenlit the development of a remake of its stealth classic tom clancy's splinter cell Announced on Ubisoft's website, the remake will be developed by lead studio Ubisoft Toronto, the developers of Splinter Cell Blacklist. It will be built from the ground up using the Snowdrop engine, which is the tech being used for the Division games, the upcoming Avatar Frontiers of Pandora game, and Ubisoft's as yet untitled Star Wars games. Um, I Splinter Cell has been something that people have been waiting for 
forever. If I'm not mistaken, the first one came out like in 2003-ish. I uh, maybe 2005 maybe. And like the last one came out in 2013. So people have been waiting for this game forever. And every rendition we get of it is like a mobile version or he's a skin in something. And Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Been, it's been pissing uh, people off because Sam Fisher, who's the star in the Splinter Cell, it was back in the day was just as notorious as like um, Metal like Snake, Metal Gear yeah. Snake, and they were one of the guys that like kind of like put stealth games on the map. And then later on, you had games like Assassin's Creed and you know the later Metal Gears, but they all kind of turned into like action games. The only really stealth game left is Hitman, and the fact that Splinter Cell has been dormant for so long, I like that it's coming back. I don't know if the right move was to remake number one. It's almost like they're just following the bandwagon of everyone else. So like, oh, everybody's redoing their old games with a remake. You know, we got Mass Effect. We've got Dead Space. Now let's do Splinter Cell. It's like, no, people want a new Splinter Cell. Like, it's How hard is it to just continue it on? The games are great. People want to go back and play them, play them. But I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. This news that I've been reading is kind of hit or miss with people. A lot of people are like, cool, let it start something and let people re-experience. Because I don't think you've ever played a Splinter Cell. I've never played one, so I don't really have any feelings. I mean, I'm excited... I was but, excited but is that, when is I that heard your type it. Type of game though, because you know, because I want right? to play a stealth game. Yeah, yeah. I, that's I was super excited about it because I'm like, okay, I don't feel one way or the other, but I am happy to get a return to tactical stealth espionage. Yeah, because I wanted to pull up real quick. So the yeah, so the, there's uh, there's eight seven games out of the series. There's Splinter Cell, the first one, which is, came out in 2002, uh, Pandora Tomorrow in 2004, Chaos Theory in 2005, Essentials in 2006. Double Agent in 2006, Conviction 2010, Blacklist 2013. So once upon a time, these games were coming back to back. I mean, you know, there's one that has a year, but some of them are annualized. Some of them are two years. So I'm not sure how or when Splinter Cell, they thought, became unimportant to, for people to play. Because in my mind, because I played about, I, there's seven of them. I've played maybe five of them, and they're all they're not all fantastic, but they're all worth playing and checking out. I hear and, people clamor for it all the time. Yeah, and it's a series that I don't know why it died and i guess i can just take the like, sil- metal, me- like metal gear yeah i guess i can take the silver lining at least they're remaking it and maybe this will kind of spark that to get it going again because i i really would love to get get back into more stealth games every game that i used to love that was stealth ha- is not stealth anymore so right i mean metal gear is gone for different reasons but Assassin's I've, creed is a straight up action adventure game yeah it's I, like there's no there's no nothing in, in assassin's creed when's the last time you stealth around in assassin's creed Without running up and just beating the shit out of someone. I not never, not especially since they tank everybody. Well, I guess in the last one I used a little bit more stealth, but that's because you have to go into the options and turn on the insta kill, which isn't on by default or anything. So you kind of have to go out of your way to get that stealth gameplay. But no, I feel you. Yeah, so I'm I'm super looking forward to it. I'm glad something is being done. And uh, if it's a remake of number one, awesome. You know, hopefully this leads to more projects. So. Um, let us know, guys, in the comments down below if you plan on watching uh, Power On, the Xbox uh, story, which is the documentary you can easily watch on YouTube. Highly recommend it. Or if you guys are have any interest in Splinter Cell or if this is just a waste of Ubisoft's time, I personally don't believe so. So with that being done, guys, let's move into questions of the week. And we've got five, and they come from Vivek Joshi Pro. He loves to drop in a lot at once. So we should be able to move through these pretty quickly. So um, I'm going to read them all just one at a time for you guys. So we don't, I'm not going to read the whole thing. And then, so we'll go one at a time. So 
He says, again, I have some questions. Number one, if you had to live it in the world of the game, what world would it be? I, I'm pretty sure we've answered something similar to this before. I think the easy answer would be Pokemon because I know yeah. I can do something with Pokemon. The 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 kind of um, the monkey's paw that we always kind of run into is, okay, I live in that world, but am I super powered or do I just live in that world? I think that's, the question, that's always where we butt head because no one ever says, if you lived in, in the Marvel Universe... Do I have a power or am I working at LexCorp? You know what right. I mean? Like, so I feel like that's always kind of the split hair. Um, well, if you need, Is there anything on yours that you would just jump to? I think Pokemon's uh, a safe answer. I Thinking about that, but now that you said that, I would have to say maybe like Yu-Gi-Oh! Because I always thought Yu-Gi-Oh! is really cool with go. all their yeah, three-dimensional yeah, no shit. Yeah, can tell you you don't, can't play cards. Exactly. And you, could, and you have like a little kid who could be good at cards or something like that. So I could train myself to be good at whatever. And I have like these cool, crazy battles and stuff like that. So I think that would be pretty cool. And I'd have that cool fucking badass body length dual disc. Dude, yeah, because I don't want to live in God of World's God of War's world and then be the guy that lives in the in the village when he comes and fucks shit the up. The guy he uses as a human shield while you're walking by. So if you want to re-ask the question where we are able to have powers in it on the next episode, I'd love to answer that. Uh, number two, he writes, uh, have you ever had a crush on a video game character? Uh, who, Andrew? As a young lad growing up playing Super Nintendo, PlayStation games, who was your uh, crush if you had one? Uh, I would always go with Chun-Li because I always think that she's absolute bae. But my favorite Chun-Li is very specific. My favorite Chun-Li is the Street Fight Alpha where she's wearing not like her normal dress. She's wearing like like a vest on top of like whatever her like pant leggings so or whatever So it's are. not the gameplay that captivated you. It was the look. Well, it is the gameplay. Street, uh, people <laughs> love Street Fighter Alpha. Maybe it's the art design. She's drawn really well. I did because I never saw that outfit. And when I was looking through just a bunch of different... It's a cool um, practical outfit. Well, because I wanted like a reminder because my, my answer will never change. But I was just kind of looking through more like... You know, video game sweethearts. When Andrew uh, was talking about that outfit, I'd never seen it before. And that outfit's actually really badass. But uh, the one I had, and it was because it was my favorite game at the time, and it always will be, was Tifa Lockhart from Final Fantasy VII. New Earth is better. No way. And when you see her from the original games, you know, you can get why, you know, like, oh, cool. She's a pretty little, pretty girl. And then when she came out in the You're movie... talking about with, the manual of the original game? Because <laughs> I know it's not the gameplay. <laughs> yeah, I went out in her uh, polygons. Uh, and then you see her, get to see her in Advent Children. And then most recently in the Final Fantasy VII remake, I think she's absolutely stunning and remains Bay 1 uh, to today. So Now she's top tier. So number three is, has a game storyline ever made you cry? For sure. I still cry Like sometimes. tears or, or balling up? No, like I'll literally the end of Final Fantasy X every time. Even now, if I go back and watch it, especially when, mm -hmm. uh, spoiler alert for an old-ass game, but when he goes to, like, leave because he's got to go back because he's a dream, and she goes to hug him and falls through him, and then she says, I love you, I fucking cry every time. I'll still cry. I Every time when, like, I feel like every now and then you need, like, a good cry. I'll go back and watch that scene because it mm -hmm. makes me cry. But turn up right now. <laughs> outside of that would be the ending of uh, The First Walking Dead when Lee dies. Oh, and you gotta kill him. One. That one fucking got me good. I would say because Final Fantasy VII came out when I was ten. So when Aerith dies, like that's a tough one as a ten-year-old to be like, oh man, like I can't believe that I haven't seen that in a video game before. And especially the way she dies is pretty brutal. But as far as like getting older, I don't know. If, like again, I don't know if anything made me cry, but definitely <coughs> teary-eyed. And the most recent one I can think of was Valiant Heart, um, which is this kind of war game that takes place, and it's it's a uh, I don't know the the story this guy goes through when you when it's all said and done and then the aftermath of what they kind of show what happens uh, during like World War Two. Oh I think yeah, was, yeah, I know exactly. I, you what know what I mean? Like about. I'm not bawling, but like I'm sitting there going like, ooh, <laughs> ooh. 
I got pretty teary-eyed for Origami King when, spoiler alert, um, your bob buddy sacrifices himself and he doesn't come back because I totally thought he was. And then he's a fucking ghost and he's dead. I'm like, damn, dude, yeah. that sucked. He was so fucking cool. That was that was tough. So leave yours down below because I'd love to hear it. Um, fourth question is, uh, what's your favorite game genre? As a kid, easily RPGs. Like, I would easily just... I loved, I loved everything about RPGs. I loved building a team. I loved collecting items. I loved getting... Weapons, I love moving from town to town. As I get older, RPG is still, still my number one, but RPGs are in like everything now. Like you can take those, you can take what you loved about traditional like JRPGs or Western RPGs and sprinkle them in everything. So I think now I kind of move more towards like action adventure games with RPG elements. So I think of like, or even like a little sandbox. And I think of games like Ghost of Tsushima. I think of God of War. I think of Horizon. I think of Devil May Cry 5. Like I kind of more like the action adventure game, I think, than more of the traditional turn-based or tactile um, RPG. I think when I was younger, I was more into JRPGs, and now I just don't have that kind of time for some of the longer ones. So, I mean, my favorite for a long time has been, because it's my favorite genre of movie, is horror. I think it's hard to make something that scares people and speaks to people on that. And I think it's very interesting, because it, even though you it might have not have the replayability of a lot of things, it gives you a very unique experience on your first playthrough, and something that maybe you didn't find scary... I did at one point, but there might be something later for you that you found scary versus I, I was like, oh, you know, I, I, you know, whatever happened for me there. So horror for me. Nice. And which is, like, I, I kind of thought you were going to say like a FPS or something like, nah. Okay. 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 And the final question is, do you prefer multiplayer games or uh, to go solo? <coughs> I prefer solo. I play a lot of multiplayer games, but I do prefer this prefer prefer the solo experience because i really enjoy the story when i'm playing multiplayer games i mean it's just mindless i'm doing whatever halo and you know call of duty i'm just killing people i have a lot of fun and i really really enjoy that but i prefer the solo narrative to how i ended up there versus you know the same thing over and over and over and over yeah um i think solo is kind of my answer for i mean Back when we were, when I was in high school and stuff, we played a lot of multiplayer games, a lot of Halo, and then even when like Gears of War came out, we were playing that. But solo is just the way to do it. I mean, because as you get older, man, it's harder to find. It's Andrew's like lucky enough that his whole clan of Montemayors are like there's like thirty of them. So when Andrew ever wants to jump online, he's always got someone to play with. You know, as I you know jump online, you know it's hard to kind of line up these times with people. So I can always play a good uh, solo. Game, so that's probably why it'd be what I prefer. Because your answer is not what I like the best. It's what do I prefer? I prefer solo games because I can get it done on my own schedule. I can run through games. I can beat something and then move on to the next one. But lately, since I've been diving back into more multiplayer,s playing games, playing Halo with Dante and Mandrew and Gino more recently with It Takes Two, I'm finding and I, I don't play him. I don't play hours a day like Andrew does for years. I'm getting back into more hours a day you know just recently Bite so size, yeah. i'm having way more fun now playing more multiplayers but i mean my preferred version would just be to play it solo beat it guardians of the galaxy move on to the next one and you know keep my life going so yeah that's a good answer i like that hey i like that so guys that is the end of episode 116 join us next week for episode 117 and in, my name is craig Prowls. that is birthday boy Mandrew Montemayor. And until next time, guys, cheers. See ya.